Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us, and we'll get into today's guest. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Anthony Taylor, and today I am joined by my friend and colleague, David Yetman, who is the president and founder of Yetman Consultant. David, how are you today? Good, man. How are you doing? You know, talking about COVID life. No, things are good. It's a it's a great, I don't even know what today is, great Thursday. So many cool activities and so many fun client things that keep me busy. So I'm excited. So how's things on, I was going to call it your side of the pond, but David's on the other side of Canada. So I'm on the West Coast and he's on the East Coast. David, well, actually, why don't you just tell people a little bit about you and your business? Yeah, sure. So I'm in, in just outside of St. John's, Newfoundland. So we were the most easterly point in North America. And, you know, it's been a really mild winter, mostly minus two, minus three. So you you would appreciate that, Anthony. It's very similar to, it's very similar to Vancouver area, right? COVID-wise, we're, as I was telling you before we came on, quite quite grateful, actually, that we're very low in cases and on a daily basis. And so our life is sort of normal, whatever that means, right? We're able to roam about and go to restaurants with restrictions and so on and so on. So that makes makes things a bit easier. Quite busy and business-wise, I guess. I mostly do how to grow margin in business. You know, and that comes under business resilience, which is a very broad term, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit? Obviously, you know, St. John's, Newfoundland is a, a small re- geographic area. What is it like consulting, working with companies out there? Would you see that there are things that make the business climate unique for, for where your world is? And, and I'm sure that ties into business resilience. Sort of like I, I've got a model where I kind of I concentrate on specific businesses in a period of time. And I do that because it's like coming in as an employee and I'll give a case study a little bit later, probably in the the current one, but I like to focus that way. So not spread it thin over too many areas. And that really helps me help that business. Right. So I, I take a big piece of the pie at any one time and not many pieces. Yeah. And so I, I think that in terms of the area that I think, Toronto and, and, you know, central Canada, I don't, and, and probably West coast as well has always been strong for consulting and has never been something that's picked up a lot over the years on the East coast. But I think I'd see more of a movement in that where companies are more eager to pick up third party expert advice, you know, and not totally relying on employees. Hmm. So obviously, you know, you got in both McKay CEO forums chair, we know what it's like to like live and support CEOs. Given all of this, co- like the COVID context that we're living in and the sort of challenges, what is business resilience and like, what does it really mean? And then why is it important? 
I would say it's always important to think about business resiliences and businesses do, right? CEOs are always thinking about it intuitively. It's just that it's a term that doesn't come naturally to most people, right? I would dissect it between an individual perspective on business resiliency and a company perspective on business resiliency because they're slightly different. So when we think about business resiliency from an individual perspective, we're mostly thinking about how solid are you mentally, physically, spiritually, wholeness, well-being are kind of words that fall under that as well. So, you know, how do you how do you maintain mental strength, right, as an individual? That also obviously overlaps from a business perspective, but from a purely process perspective in a company, it's it's how do you have systems, processes, people, and assets built into your the nature of your business so that you're able to overcome short-term hiccups, short-term turbulence, short-term chaos. All of a sudden, there's a huge bump in the road that you didn't expect. It could be a bump, it could be a hill, it could be a mountain. But COVID is a good example. How many people actually saw that coming? Probably nobody. But the resilience is built internally within the systems and processes so that you're able to withstand impacts on your assets and your people and your processes. So that's really broad, right? Mm -hmm. I don't I certainly don't take a broad sweep on all of that. Mine is very focused on margin. So you touch on some really important stuff. And since it's like the strategy and leadership podcast, we got to look at the leadership component. You know, what are some of the things that you've seen? You know, we've got leaders from around the world. When we talk about personal and self business resilience or self resilience, like what does that mean and and how can leaders put things in place to help them be more resilient? Well, as you know, with McKay up here on the, I guess is this side, with McKay CEO forums that McKay has some good tools and models, right, for them. So their mastery model in, in resilience is quite good. And so that just means that you take time First of all, to be aware of the many components that make you strong as an individual and strong as a company. Okay, so again, dissecting the two parts of individual versus company, right? You are aware of it, first of all, you understand what components drive that. So again, from just take from an individual's perspective, you got a physical health, right? And being strong physically. Nutrition is a part of that as well. You know, do you have the energy and fuel in your body to be strong? You have mental health, which is, you know, this is Bill Let's Talk Day, I think, today, right? And COVID has a big impact on that. But how do you be mentally strong? What does that mean? What steps do you put in place in order for that to happen? And, you know, you said a couple of things to me in the past, Anthony, that really resonated with me, right? Is like, you don't have to work 24-7. You know, you don't have to work on the weekends. You don't have to work after five o'clock even. So you remain productive in the hours that you're working. You put aside the phone and put aside the emails in the evening. And then you focus on you. You focus on your family. You focus on things that bring joy and happiness to your life. Those are all parts of that individual mental piece, right? And then, you know, you have, uh, I always look at spiritual because I look at the three stools of a, of a, of a chair, right? You've got mind, body, soul. So what, whatever that means for you, if for me, it's faith. So I find that important in my life. It helps me quite a lot. So all of those are important from an individual perspective, but equally being aware of that on a business side, you know, and so there's multiple things that can be built within systems and processes that can make a company strong, as you know, from a strategy perspective, right? 
And strategy is just one of them. If you don't have good strategy and if you don't have your one direction that you talk about a lot, even that uh, higher level view of where to go, that's just one aspect. But, you know, you've got tactical planning within that. You've got operational planning. You've got people plans and performance management and evaluation. You've got IT systems. You've got data management. You've got internal processes within companies around efficiencies and lean processes, how to get better, how to cost control. That's outside of sales and marketing. So all of those things can be strengthened. But first of all, you got to be aware. If you're not aware, you can't do anything. Yeah. And I think that's one of the really important things to, to take away from what you're sharing is, you know, both on the personal side as an as individual leader and on the company side as somebody who has to look at like an entity that is a corporation or whatever, is actually taking that first step to assess on the personal side, you know, how's my physical health? How's my mental? How's my spiritual? How's my family? How's my friends? Like, am I not necessarily balanced? Just where am I at? Because a deficiency in one of those areas can really hurt you. Conversely, focusing and elevating one of those areas can really be like a opening the door to, to success. And then on the business side, it's the same thing. It's like taking that time to say, hey, do I have all of my processes, systems, pieces in order? And what do I really need to work on? What do I need to focus on? What do I need to improve so that they actually all work? But I think that, and as consultants, Dave and I are both consultants, is it's easier for us because our only job is coming in to look at that thing and like observe that thing and look at it from a critical eye. What I'm finding with the people that I'm working with, and David, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, is they have like the whirlwind of the day to day that they don't have any time to reflect and often if something comes up, it's because it's like on fire, like it's a bad thing. It's not proactive, it's reactive. Have you found that to be a challenge with some of the companies that you work with or what you're seeing in sort of the business environment right now? Well, hundred percent, absolutely. It's like 99% of businesses that are out there, are, you know, there's no time to self-actualize or be self-aware because if you look at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? If you're stuck in the middle or the lower part of that pyramid, and if you're stuck on survival, you have no time to be self-aware. And so as, a, as an individual, that's true, but also as a company and an entity, that's true. Because if you're struggling day to day with, let's say, as most people do in companies, HR, one of the biggest nightmares in companies. You know, I can't find the people. I can't find the right people. Do I have enough people? Is my labor rates too high? Am I spending too much when I could be more efficient? Am I hiring too many people? I need to get rid of this person because they're causing an internal problem in my company or there's a poison that's being infiltrated throughout the company. I can't get this person to come in on their shift. So as that comes through a generational phase too, where you got young people that are coming into job markets that are either entitled, and I don't mean that in a, in a mean way, but as a different generation, as a generational shift, there's different values. And there's different resp responses to responsibility and duty, right? We're, we're moving out of that era where, you know, as a postmodernist world, it's all about the individual now. <laughs> it's not about the company. It's not about government. It's not about authority. It's not, and so duty is shifting. It's shifting from that to the individual. That's tough in the workplace. It's tough to manage people like that. And so if you got that day-to-day -day frustration, and let's put all of that even on top of cash flow, Cash flow for small and medium-sized enterprises is king. If you don't have a consistent cash flow, that is so turbulent. 
you walk the floors three o'clock in the morning because you're like, man, my mortgage is coming out tomorrow. I got payroll coming out on Friday. <laughs> you know, the electrical bill is coming out automatically. You know, I got to do capital costs and investments to do upgrades, right? And you can't get beyond that because your revenue is just not high enough that you can get a consistent base. And that's only two examples. Yeah. So try to be self-aware on top of that. Yeah. Try to self-reflect on the parts of your or business and or departments within your business that need to be improved. You just don't have time or you feel like you do. Right. You feel like you do. But if you took the time maybe to do that, you could start changing some of the systems within and things become a bit more efficient. You figure out your HR problem. You figure out your data management problem. The efficiencies will create so much internal stability that it helps the cash flow. And then it's not so chaotic, it's not so turbulent. And so I know you do this with strategy all the time, Anthony, but if you don't think about strategy, you can't get there, right? And, and, and you can't alleviate some of your problems without first thinking about strategy and one direction. But it's the same is true in business resiliency, because if you don't start to reflect on it and take time to do that, then you're never going to get there. You're never going to change those systems within. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big takeaways I want to share for our, our listeners is that like, you're never too busy to deal with the important stuff. It's like, if all you're doing is staying busy, but actually you, what you really need is that strategic time to reflect, to look back. And that's why, you know, why we wanted to make today's topic around business uh, strategy for business resiliency is that you, you need the time. It's not like optional. And whether your issue is cash flow, which I'm going to ask you in a little bit, David, a little bit so about some of those processes and systems you can do. So what do you actually take in place out of those conversations? Um, but it is that survival mode. It's like your reptile brain. You make bad decisions when you're in the shit. You make bad decisions when you have to react. And just it's ad hoc. And so why, you know, David and I wanted to chat with you today and share is just like, making time for strategic work, making time for that reflection, making time for that audit, whether it's daily, monthly, weekly, quarterly, yearly, and probably all of the above, but for different perspectives, is going to help you succeed. And then ultimately turn that thing that we're talking about, which is cash, cash flow, success, and impact. So David, as people you know, they're going to listen to this podcast or say, Anthony and David were right. I'm glad I listened to them. I'm going to make some time to look at my strategy, look at my cash flow. What are some of the processes? What are some of the steps? What are some of the exercises they can take on in order to reflect on do they have the right processes and is their cash flow supported? I truly understand uh, and empathize. I mean, let me say that first. I empathize with small to medium sized business because I've lived it for 10 years and I know to struggle day to day. Right. And so when the cash is not there, the stress is so high because you see the future and you see the opportunity and potential. But that bump is always there. That bump is like, man, I got 10 grand coming out in payroll on Friday. I got three grand in my bank account at the moment. And then you're you're looking for ways to capitalize your operations, which is a bad it's a bad scene. If you got to if you got to capitalize your operations, that's trouble because you're you're drawn down on lines of credit. You're looking you're talking to the bank. You're you're talking to your local uh, business development corp. You're talking to BDC. You're you're piling on a loan because you need short term cash injection. Right. To get over the hump. But I get that. I understand that. But 
what I say is that there's things internally, again, that can be fixed with self-awareness, take time to reflect, bring on experts. You know, this is not a, this is not a shameless plug, but it's like the experts who have been there and can help you walk through it. And that little bit of money you're going to spend to pull down there to do help with that reflection and to do somewhat of an audit, let's say, you know, let me help you with an audit. Let me go internally in here and figure out where I think the bumps are for you. So I'll just jump in, David, in terms of like, because you are the expert and without giving away too much of your secret sauce, you know, what are some of the areas that leaders should start looking at to, to start reflecting? Like what are some of the, you know, top two or three most common things that you see in, in the organizations that you work with? So when we talk about margin, we're talking about three things, right? You're talking about revenue mm-hmm. as gross revenue, which is always, uh, you know, if you drill down into the why, it's always like, well, how do I make more money? How do I get my systems running to sell more? Okay, so that has a number of different components, which we can talk about after. Cost control is the second one. How do I minimize my costs? Okay, so that doesn't mean how do I cut? Because people confuse that. It means what do I do that's necessary within a department that I still have customer success, my clients are happy, but I'm able to provide the necessary supports and systems for the employees that are within those departments that they can still have maximum customer success at the end. That's not cutting. Hmm. That's tweaking, tweaking systems, tweaking processes. It could be labor reduction. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be. It could be a reduction in the amount of labor rates, wages, hours, et cetera. But you're putting in what's necessary and supporting the people that you have there to have maximum customer success. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you do that across all departments with cost. And then the third one is net profit because both of those go together as any accountant knows and as any CEO knows, higher revenue, cost control, more net profit. If you don't have net profit built in, common phrase that we often joke about is, okay, if you're making $5 million a year and you're spending $5.2 million a year because you have a hope of getting somewhere in the future, and hope is a very fragile, is a very fragile emotion, is a powerful one because it keeps you driven to get to a place. But hope is not a strategy, as you know. Mm-hmm. And so, if I always have hope in a company, and my company is on fragile ground, I have to put systems in place to get the net profit. If not, if again, if I'm making five million a year, but I'm spending five point two million a year, it's better I had a lemonade stand. So tell me, tell me a little bit, you alluded to a case study on one time when you like, I mean, obviously there's lots of times, but what was one of the, the uh, situations that you walked into? What did you put in place? What was the outcome? So that's from marketing and sales perspective. Okay. Because when I go back to revenue, the first question is always, how do I sell more? Right. Cause that's the first thing that CEOs recognize not selling enough. If I could only sell more, if I could only double, if I could only triple my problems would be solved. Not really. I mean, you got to look at the other two parts, especially cost control and efficiencies that I just talked about. And so I, you know, I'm asked permission from this company to talk about them. The, the doctor says in and spa, it's a fabulous, fabulous place, uh, about an hour and a half outside of St. John's here. It's a magical place, actually. If, uh, if you want to share it later, it's, I think it's uh, doctorshousenl.ca. hundred acres. I would classify it as a resort, but a very unique one. And so uh, the owner, who's very aware, <laughs> already aware, felt he was limited, was limited by that revenue. 
Okay, so he was he was sort of plateaued, consistent revenue year after year, but very high cost, right? And so it was how do you build in more margin? Was the question more revenue, more net profit? And that's we're on a we started that in late 2018, and we can dissect pieces of this as we go here, so that I, I don't keep the story too long. The short part of the story is that the awareness was there, and it was like, well, revenue comes first. How do I how do I make more? How do I book more? Okay, so then marketing is is comes along with that as well. So he brought in a marketing company, John Atkins, which you can look up later, share later, Jack.co. So the point is plateaued. How do I get higher? Okay, and since then, there's been multiple things that we have put in place, including a full marketing system. I'm not totally responsible for that. Jack and their team are responsible. Quite sharp, quite good, quite tight, not a top notch. I'm doing a sales system piece. We're building in product development, new offerings. So we ramped up the corporate sales department to look at a corporate piece to the structure of the business. Weddings is also a big part of the business. So we refine the sales process with weddings and it's more automated to create more efficiencies because it was a high labor input to try to close out that parts of those sales within that department. So it's more streamlined, it's more linear. There's more leads coming in now on a daily basis. The marketing systems are working. The corporate piece is more outbound. When we look at outbound marketing, which is more cold calling, more emailing, more connections, more systemization of that outbound process. But then we're also looking at other parts, farming as a part of that, selling products that are made by the chef on site. What I'm hearing from that is, in order for them to first, they had the top line, the cost controls, the net profit. So, hey, I think our top line can get better. Hey, you know, we got to make sure that the bottom line matches. And then what I heard and a tool for our listeners is the business model canvas, which maps out all of the different pieces of your business and how they operate in a system in order to move them forward. And yeah, then well, there's, there's three pieces of that. Actually, there was one. So it started with revenue and efficiencies and sales systems. Obviously, when you talk about that, then you're into product development. Is our product enough? Do we need to streamline our product? You know, and having that awareness as well. What's the competitors doing out there? Okay, well, I'm always a firm believer if you're above the competitor in terms of streamlining your product, you have no competitors because you're always mm -hmm. one step ahead of the game. There's always ways that customers can spend money in two or three different places. But is the product defined enough? and sophisticated enough to re-enter the market so that you're the number one attraction. You're the, one, the choice that the customer is moving towards. And weddings are a good example there, right? Okay, so you can streamline that process. You get more attraction there. But then the business model piece is a big one, right? That's one that you have to look at um, from a holistic sense. And that takes a lot of time and effort. But that was sort of later. But the next piece after that was that cost control. And that's the piece that we're working on now which is mm. systems within departments, streamlining, labor rates, sharing of efficiencies across staff, cross-training staff across departments. As a very simple example, if somebody's in housekeeping, right, and, and they've got their job done, can they help out in the kitchen, as an example? Can they help with prepping food? Can they do something else, right? So that you got a small team of generalized people that are properly trained, and that's just one very specific example there. So out of all of that, revenue, product development, 
streamlining of sales systems, more automated processes, more online marketing and exposure, more repositioning the advertising spend to hit the market that you want to be in, then some cost control, and then the model overall. I mean, that's not going to change a lot for a lot of companies. But, you know, just to go right to the outcome here, we're at probably 300 percent in 2022 compared to 2018. That's 300 percent growth. No, I love that. Well, I think one of the things that I'd like our, our listeners to take away is it all started with the reflection. You know, it's so easy to keep going, keep going, keep going and then get into that point where it's like, hey, it's almost too late to do it. If as a CEO or as a leader, you have like an inkling that there's an opportunity to improve profit, to improve the bottom line, top line, and implement some cost controls, then the first step is to take the time to step back, do the audit, look at all of those like systems, individual pieces, as David was talking about, and just through that process, you'll find opportunities going through that. So, uh, David, anything you want to, as we begin to wrap up here, anything that you wanted to add in terms of some of those like big lessons learned out of doing that project? Well, like I said, I think you just hit it right on. I said that, and the impetus already came from the CEO and the owner. I know this can, this can be better. I know I can get to a certain level and recognizing that tried and tested a lot of things, but just to take that time to let's think about how to make this better. That's the first thing. But then the second thing was consultants because, you know, consulting in, in a lot of circles is a dirty word. Yeah. Cause people think that they're overpaid and that you're not going to get a lot of value from it. It is essential to step back and bring someone in with the expertise to say, help me look at this here. What pieces can we work on here? And then you're going to capitalize it. You don't have to do it all right away. You're going to take the pieces that are essential right now. And it could be revenue. Number one could be cost control. Number one, it just depends on the company, but to be able to capitalize it with the consultant is also key because consultants are good at finding money, as you know. And so then it's step by step. You knock it off step by step. Then you get to look at the business model overall a little bit later. Mm. But the key is first the CEO, right? The CEO says, yep, you know what? There's lots of things I'm doing here that I, that's not working. There's things here that aren't working. I, I can't figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. And then second, drawing on those experts that can, that can help and walk alongside with that CEO to do that. And then capitalize. Yeah. One of the things that Nancy, who's the CEO forum of, or the CEO of McCasey forums always talked about leaders parking their ego. And I know that even as I run my small company and, you know, work with diverse teams in different groups, like I realize how often I have to check my ego at the door to say, Hey, you know, is it my ego talking when I'm saying this can't be done better? This is my ego talking saying, Hey, we're already doing great. Especially in a, you know, it, it's when you get punched in the teeth, you know, it's a good opportunity to say, hey, you know, like, am I really doing what I need to be doing over the past couple of years? Like, have my costs gotten inflated? Have I been doing that? But really, like, as a leader, checking your ego, being able to accept that there's opportunities for improvement, especially it's tough as you bring a consultant in, as David's saying, somebody external who isn't so like in it. You know, everything is rosy. Everything is great in your world. But when you have a consultant, an external person, whether it's a consultant or whatever else you want to call them or a peer forum, they're, they'll call what they see as what it is, not make excuses for it. And I think that that's, David, if I understand what you're saying, bringing out that, that external perspective has been a real game changer, so to speak, for your clients. 
Yeah, and that's a game changer is an overused word these days, right? Because not, not everything is a game changer. <laughs> it is. It's like the TSN turning point, right? You know, like sometimes there is a TSN turning point and somebody scored an overtime and that is a game changer. But if you're in the in the first five games of the regular season, ain't a game changer because you've still got 60 games left, right? I guess the point is, is that is that consultants sometimes are viewed as coming in to draft a report, to write a business plan, right? Or to give me a written strategy. But but the real thing that you got to look at is that you need to find an expert in a field who has a track record, who you pay to bring in to say, if you want to use the word game changer, help me understand here what I'm doing wrong. Bring mm-hmm. some awareness to that. And then the tools and tactics are easy after that. Right. Because I can draw on you, Anthony, because I know you. And if I as we did recently, if I need some help on strategy, I'm going to go to you. I don't have to know it all. I can bring in somebody on IT systems, you know, and that's the beauty of building a plan like that is that you do it piece by piece. But you bring in top notch people, obviously, and you don't waste your time on writing reports, which I always tell people, you know, I I could spend. I don't mean to be condescending to anybody that writes a business plan, but uh, but I can I can spend two months to write you a business plan. But as you know, you're going to throw it in the garbage the first week when you start. And that is literally true, because day one, as soon as you start operations, chaos is going to kick in <laughs> and things are going to be way different. The market is going to react way different than what you expected. Your people that you hired is going to be way different. All of a sudden, your cash flow is different. And then you got to adapt. Yeah. Spend your money on expert laser focus on what do I do to, to shift gears here? Yeah. And I think so. One thing is like, yeah, help me understand what I'm doing wrong or, or not doing as well as I'd like is a big thing I took in. And then as we talked about that systems piece and, and having somebody to, you know, to actively implement, I look at it as levers. You know, like, so it's not like a one-to-one change. It's like when you make a one change, you get one to five or one to 10. So when you make a lever, then you get the exponential thing. And so that's where, as you start looking at making these improvements in your business and looking at where there's opportunities for grow, look at exponential impact. Why, you know, you hire somebody who's an expert because it's not just, they're not paying for the time. They're not paying for the report. They're actually paying, for, you're paying for the results and getting that output. So David, uh, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they learn more about what you do and what you work on? Well, I'm doing a website at the moment. Won't be ready for a few months, but LinkedIn is the best place. Have no business card. Perfect. You don't need one. With the internet. You can't leave your house anyway. Most of us can't. Maybe you can, but most of us can't. <laughs> David, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and I'm glad we got to have this conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's any questions anybody's got, your listeners, any just pop a message in LinkedIn, that's the best place to go. Awesome. Thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is David Yetman, who is the president and founder of Yetman Consulting. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, Park your ego at the door, look at opportunities improve, develop your business to be resilient over years and years and years. And to do that, you need cash flow. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Look forward to sharing with you. And till next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. 
Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful, and we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus, you can use the code podcast for $100 off. The course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course. Use the code podcast for $100 off, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.